Today is November 15th, 2015. The title of today's sermon is The Greater Testimony. Normally, uh, our, our staff in the back there, Susan, is one of the most incredible folks. She will r- rip through scripture and put them up here faster than you can shake a stick at. I've actually asked her not to do that today. Amen. I've asked her to leave the slides on the screen, and I'm going to ask that you take your word and you get into the word today. Uh, we're going to start off with 1 John chapter 5 and verse 9. If you want to turn to 1 John, that is going to be a good place for us to start. In our church, it's tradition that when you are there, you say the word there out loud. 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to start with verse 9 here. It says this, We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. Isn't that a great saying? God's testimony is greater than man's. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that he's reminding us of some very basic things. Because it is the testimony of God himself, which he has given about his son. What kind of testimony has God given today? We're going to get a testimony from God himself about his son through the word. Look back up in chapter in verse 1 says this everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God Um, I don't want to get through this too quickly I don't want to be in a hurry today in other churches this may be like a seven week series today you're going to get it all right now all I got every time right Don't don't hold back look at the word I so appreciate Wow, somebody's excited back there. Amen. Hey, they're getting ready too, right? So, I love the way that the Word lays it out in such a clear manner for us. 1 John 5.1 Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. What a beautiful way to say that. If you actually love God, you will love Jesus Christ. Why do people have so much trouble... They don't have, our world does not have a particular problem with God. Not particularly because they'll just redefine who they think God is and, and we can all get along. We always have a problem when we start bringing in the name of Jesus Christ. That's where people are going to get offended at what you say. Because Jesus Christ causes something to happen in people's lives. But we see that if you don't love Jesus Christ, you're not loving the Father. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. Well, what a simple text, right? How do you know if we love God and we do what He tells us to do? Verse 3, this is love for God. To obey His commands. (laughs) I love God, but I'm not too good on obeying His commands. This is love for God. To obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. I'm going to read that again for you. This is 1 John 5, 3. His commands are not burdensome. Wow. Think of the life that is in that. If you are living a burdensome life, I'm reminded of other scriptures like in Matthew that said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Shut it down. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. So that's not leaving you out. It's not leaving me out. It's not leaving them out. It's not leaving those out. It's saying everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. If uh, There may be some in here, and, and obviously we had a lot of things going on in our world in the last few days. In France, some in this room probably have been glued to the news catching every app, catching every station. Some have been, have totally disregarded it. And don't, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And someone's like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Where ISIS had an organized attack against multiple sites in, in France, killing hundreds of people, injuring hundreds of others. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Amen. We are not going to be a group of people who are afraid of anything. Listen to that. We're not afraid of anything. Whether it's ISIS, 
or whether it's cancer or whether it's the circumstances in our life, no matter what it is, we are not people afraid. You know why? Because if we are born of God, we overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Wow. Who is, he that, uh, who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? This is just as we start off. Now let's go to the next slide, Susan. So here's, here's what um, kind of hit me. This actually hit me and I, and I shared it with you guys. Uh, the Lord revealed it to me. It didn't hit me. It didn't come to me in an epiphany other than what God began to show me. We were in Matamoros, Mexico. We had just finished working in a hurricane where the water was stinging us as we were trying to bring buckets of, you know, walking in knee-deep water. It was, it was great. We got back to our, our place. We were preparing to go to a hospital so that we can pray for those that were outside of the hospital who couldn't get in because that's the way that that system works. And God started showing me this next, pa- next passage of Scripture. And you see it here. God's threefold testimony. But what hit me was that uh, I'm, we're going to go through seven different examples today of God's threefold testimony. We're going to see it here, and we're going to keep referring back to this. 1 John 5, and let's read and start in verse 6. It says this, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. When the, when the Word repeats something that close together, don't let it slide right by like, no, I got it the first time. No, I mean, I mean, you just said it came, he came by the water and the blood. I mean, I got it. How about we stop and actually go, if it's enough that he's going to repeat it to us, it's in writing. He didn't need to repeat it. Let's presume that there's something divine here that's going on. And we say, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to, this is what we're looking at today. This is the revelation that we're going to understand from God's threefold testimony. We have water that's going to be used for cleansing. We have the blood. In Leviticus, it says that the life of any animal, of any creature, the life is in the blood. And we have the Spirit, and we're going to look at the empowerment that's there. So the framework, we actually talked about this during our baptism ceremony. Just for a few minutes, we shared about the three types of baptism, the three types of testimony into the Word, into the blood, and into the Spirit of God Himself. And we're going to see how these uh, are made manifest throughout. I do want to make a quick note here. 1 John 5, 8, where it says, The Spirit, the water, and the blood. If you have a King James Version of the Bible... It actually says the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. If you have a King James or a New King James, you'll see it as Father, Word, and Spirit. Let me just encourage you. We're going to show that that is, uh, that is an accurate... Uh, we, we can see how they got that, but the truth is, is the Father, Word, and the Spirit was not what was written in any text before the 14th century. So when we see... <laughs> the water, the blood, and the Spirit, we're seeing back to the original version of what God intended for us to take a look at. Does everybody understand that? I'm not against the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what the Word says right here, I'm going to pretend like I don't need to help the the Word. I'm going to let the Word do what the Word does. So it says, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Um, Let's keep reading just a little bit. We accept man's testimony, verse 9, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which He has given about His Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out... uh, I'm sorry. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. Wow. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Amen? So this first example, we see the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Let's go on to the next slide. Let's take a look at example number two. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
So here's what today is going to be. We're going to go back and forth between teaching and we're going to get to a point where we all have to respond to the Word. This is not going to end up in some esoteric thought process only. We're going to understand some of the deeper things about God and we're going to be called to action in our own hearts. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1. It says this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now listen to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. You can keep your place here. In Proverbs chapter 20, it says this, verse 5. The purposes, the, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. But a man of understanding draws them out. Leviticus, chap, uh, I'm sorry, Lamentations 2, talks about we are supposed to pour out our heart like water. We are supposed to literally pour our heart out to God as if it were water. We, ha- we look at the soul Deuteronomy, since we're right there, turn back a page or two to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And let's look at verse 29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if... Wow. How many phrases in the Bible tell us what to do or tell us something incredible and then there's that little conjunction if you will seek and find the lord your god you will find him if you look for if you look for him with all of your heart and with all of your soul turn to psalm chapter 62 stay with me here folks psalm chapter 62 so if we're supposed to pour out our heart like water we're supposed to pour out that spirit part of us like water. Psalm 62 verse 1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. Amen. My soul finds rest in God alone. And then the next phrase says this, My salvation comes from Him. <laughs> the very thing that washes me in the blood, my salvation comes from Him, but my soul finds rest in the Lord. And then turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. We like that in our kind of church, don't we? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here we have heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Do we not see another testimony of this water, of the blood, and of the Spirit? Our heart. The three parts of us, right? We say that we are made of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Does not Deuteronomy 6 address these things exactly? Our, our heart, our soul, and even our body. We're going to love the Lord with, each of, with everything that we are. We're going to dedicate it to the Lord. And the more I thought about Deuteronomy chapter 6, about our heart, our soul, and our strength, about this water, the blood, and the Spirit, I'm reminded of another very important thing that we at our church know. Susan, if you go to the next slide. Luke 24 44 says this. It's right up here on the screen for you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. We understand at our church, we, we talk a lot about 
the law, the Torah, the prophets, or the Nevim, that would be the Hebrew word for the prophets, and the Psalms in this case, we're going to say that that's the writings, the Ketuvim. We see the example here. Jesus is talking. He says, everything must be fulfilled. Well, I mean, Jesus did away with the law. No, that's a popular saying. That is very commonplace in most of our churches that he did away with it. But look what Jesus says about it. Everything must be fulfilled. Fulfilled. Everybody say fulfilled. Fulfilled. It's got to be fulfilled that was written about him in the Torah, the Nevim, and the Ketuvim. When I hear Deuteronomy 6, these are the three that I hear as well. I hear heart, our heart, the law, the Torah, helps us incline our heart. It helps direct what our heart is supposed to be. We see the genesis of all these things. We see the beginning of the nation of Israel. We see all these things and it's speaking to us about how to incline our heart. The Nevim or the prophets, what does that do? It warns our very soul. It warns us. It says there's a price for sin. There's a price for sin. It will lead you into captivity. Um, I have at the beginning of my Bible... On the very first page, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Let's see if I can get it real quick. I have, I'm so excited about my new Bible, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. I have the law and the prophet and the writings in different color underlined. Because you know why? When I learned them as a child in Sunday school, and I'm so grateful for uh, parents that took me to church all the time. I learned it um, not from a very Hebrew perspective. I learned the law, I learned history books, I learned major and minor prophets. Amen, I'm so glad. When you look in in the Hebrew mindset, you find out that it's the law, the prophets, and the writings. Those are the three sections. So some of them, I have a hard time at first, I had a hard time remembering or unlearning my old teaching and trying to learn and fit it into these three categories. But you know what? If you understand that the law helps incline the heart, that the prophets help warn the soul and that the writings talked about how to be empowered to live a faithful life in your current context. When I go back to the definition of these things, I'm no longer confused. I can easily remember it because of the function, the functionality of these three passages. Are you guys with me? Okay. This is going to keep building here. If you are looking at the Word, um, our church... We appreciate people who have knowledge and certain thoughts about the Word, but if you can only show me a doctrine that you have and it's in one place in the Scripture versus if you could show it to me from the Law, the Prophets, the Writings, and the New Testament, which one, which one is more defensible? Which one shows the comprehensive, the entirety of the Word of God? Please don't tell me that the Old Testament was for then and the New Testament is for now. Please don't do that. Just don't do that here. Let me save you the hassle. If you don't know us, you will get, you will get a beat down. I mean, not physically. I mean, we're not gonna, we, we, there will be heavy rebuke that comes because we're going to say, how about you show it to me in the entire council of the Word? Our, our youth are learning, full of zeal, right? And passion. That is one of the things I've heard them say to grown-ups and it makes me nervous sometimes. Please be respectful. And the fact that this is, the, this is their challenge. You, you think this. Can you show it to me in the Law, Prophet, Writings, and New Testament? Uh. I've seen grown men kind of have to step back and go, no, I can't. Perhaps I should go study this out. Amen? <laughs> the water, the cleansing, it's going to incline our heart from Deuteronomy 6. The blood, the prophet is, very, is warning our very soul. Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. The Ketuvim tells us how to live actually every day. Even if you're Daniel. Let's say you're Daniel and you're captive. Daniel is a writings. I thought he was a major prophet. Yes, he was a prophet. But the Hebrews classify his writing, his book, as writings. Why? Because it tells you how to live in captivity. How about we go read Daniel this week and learn how to live in in a captive world? How about you go read Daniel chapter 1 and you look what it's like to stand up in a bow-down kind of world? Tell me me that this isn't isn't what we need. 
Tell me that this isn't exactly what we need from the law, the prophets, the writings. And this is what Jesus said, folks. He is showing us the example. Luke 24. And He's referring back to the law, the prophets, and the writing. Let's go on to the next slide. Let me catch up on mine. Now when we talk the law, the prophet, and the writing, I thought I would give you three examples from the men who actually in my opinion, they typify the law, Moses, the law of Moses, the prophets, the, the prototype for a prophet is Elijah. Elisha actually did more miracles, right? And yet Elijah is the one that is listed. It's our teaching at this church. It'll probably be Moses and Elijah as the two great witnesses in Revelation. Love to talk to you about that. I have so many rabbit trails that I'm trying not to go down right now because I can go down them all. I'm trying to stay on topic. Trying to be good here. Moses, Elijah, and David, who is the, the prototypical writings, wrote the Psalms, wrote so many things. But this shows us, um, and in each of these, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 12. You can, you can start turning there if you want. We're going to see the water, the blood, and the Spirit enacted. In 1 Kings, when we get there, you're going to see the water, the blood, and the Spirit enacted. When we get to Psalm, you're going to see the water, the blood, and the Spirit enacted. I'm not even trying to surprise you on any of these things. I'm telling you what we're about to do. Right? I want this to get into your thoughts. This is not a, ta-da, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. This is, this is the Word of God. This is the pattern. Over and over and over and over and over and over. He keeps coming back to it. He keeps trying to show it to us. He'll do it in 75 million different ways. And today we're talking about seven of them who hopefully will give us such a clear picture. Uh, if you're Abraham and you get a heptatic blessing, right? Seven-fold blessing. We know, we see throughout Scripture how many times seven is portrayed to us. There are seven days in a week. There are seven feasts. There are seven I wills in Exodus. There are seven how many times do these things keep coming in over and over again. Perhaps it's as if the Lord wants us to dig this out and hide His Word in our heart that we may not sin against Him. Perhaps He's giving us keys to the entire kingdom. To the entire kingdom, He's just giving them to us if we will be those who search it out. Amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 12. Let me turn there. (laughs) Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to start... Let's see. Exodus chapter 12. Let's start in verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. I mentioned this. And I have to, I should have got permission to do this before, but uh, Sam Ergina, bless me to no end, um, her response to, we were talking about hyssop a few weeks ago, and her precious response was something like, while, while we were teaching, I was like, uh, Sam makes me feel like a good teacher. She's one of those, I was a teacher for a long time, and you have some students that make you feel like a good teacher. They're the ones nodding and smiling and feverishly taking notes. They could be drawing pictures for all I care. But I feel like a really good teacher when they're like, yes. So thank you to Sam for that. Uh, Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. What we were mentioning there about the hyssop was this. Whenever you see a sacrifice, there's a basin of blood, and they dip the hyssop, these longer branches, these these, um, special thing, and you dip it in there so that you can reach the top of the doorframe. The hyssop, to me, in the Word, is always representative of faith. I can only reach so high. Uh, uh, One of our members put on Facebook the other day about having to ask someone to help them get something off the top shelf in the the store. Right? I can't... Always having to ask uh, uh, some stranger to help me get something down. When I think of hyssop, it's always to help us to stretch out to reach... We can't quite get there on our own. 
I don't quite have enough. So what happens is we have to take the faith that God gives us based in the blood to be able to reach and get His covering to cover us over our lives. That when they took the hyssop and put it up on the door frame, on the top and then on the sides. And we've been around long enough that we can kind of already see where the dripping blood from the middle and the cross across that shows us the very blood of Christ. We see even in Exodus 12 that it's pointing towards what Messiah did. It's pointing towards, it's the same pattern over and over and over again. Take a bunch of hyssop. <laughs> Take a bunch of your faith. Dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out the door of this house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, He will see the blood. Everybody say, see the blood. See the blood. On the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. So in Exodus 12, there we see a clear example of the blood. Let's turn to Exodus 14. And look at verse 19. It says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side, come on now, and light to the other. The presence of God, the spirit empowerment is there. It is acting as a barrier between darkness and between light, between the bad guys and the good guys. The same cloud that's there that's protecting them is also giving them light. What kind of cloud is that? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, it's, that's the way God's spirit works. Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Come on now. Even the little miracles can be amazing. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. During our baptism service, we talked about how this was a symbolic gesture that the entire nation of Israel was baptized in one single time. Amen. So in this, we have the water. They go through the water. We see the blood that's applied to the doorpost. And we see the spirit, the cloud that is protecting them, that is, that is even drying out the ground for them so that they can walk sure-footedly across to where God has for them to go. We, uh, let's turn to 1 Kings Chapter 18. We have the law there in Exodus. Now we're going to the prophets. We're going to talk about Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 18. <clears throat> Let's start in verse 30. You don't know how hard it is for me to start in verse 30 right now. <laughs> no, right. Verse 30. When I was sharing with, with my son uh, about the water, the blood, and the spirit, after about two seconds of thought, he went, huh, that's just like Elijah at Mount Carmel. Yes, clearly, son, it is as I have taught you. <laughs> Let me go write that down. <laughs> Great, I love it. As a matter of fact, I think... Um, once we get done with this teaching, I, I truthfully expect people to go, hey, I thought about another one. You missed one. Yes, I missed a lot of these. <laughs> I, I wish we could go into more and more and more of each of these, but I, that's what I expect. I, I think we'll all start seeing how these interrelate with each other. This water, this blood, and this spirit, and how that it works throughout. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. It says this, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. All right, Bible students, y'all go study that one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach and just let you go figure that one out. That'll be a good sermon for some of you guys. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes, descending from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. 
With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. He is making a sacrifice. You cannot cut the bull without getting blood, right? He then said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. Twelve jars of water were poured on the twelve stones of the altar. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of, of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. By the way, isn't that part of the word of the Lord to us this morning? Step forward. It wasn't said in those two words necessarily, but isn't that what God was asking of us this morning? Step forward. Step forward. Eliminate the sin. Step forward. Don't be complacent. Step forward. Speak what God has given you to speak. It's almost as if God knows what He's doing today or something. And every day, of course. But At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Here's another little nugget that I don't have time to chase down. You ought to see how many times he uses Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and how many times Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It's an interesting distinction. Just saying. Go chase that out. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. So we've already gotten the blood from the sacrifice. We've gotten the water that was poured on it. Verse 38, Then the fire... Everybody say fire. Fire. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. How many times in the Word is the fire related to the very Spirit, the empowerment of God? We see that in Acts. We see it in so many different places. We see yet another example. We saw one in Exodus 12 from the law. We see it now in 1 Kings 18 from the prophet. Let's take a look at Psalm 51. The reason I'm teaching it this way today is I don't want the surprise factor to be there. I'm telling you ahead of time what we're about to do because I want it to be able to sink in in a different way. I am not in any way trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress something on you. There's a difference there. If I were going to do this and try to impress you, I keep the, I keep the cool part and, and wait for it. And ta-da! No, I, I want you to understand. It's right here in front of us. But I want you to understand what's being laid out here for us. Psalm 51, let's start in verse 7. It says this. Psalm 51, 7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Already we have the blood in the water right there in that verse. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Is not David in a few simple verses? Water, blood, spirit. Lord, don't remove your spirit from me. Please keep me clean. Please, please let the blood be applied to my life so that I don't have to be separated from the very thing that's designed to allow me to have the power to live according to your word. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's turn to the next slide. Here we have John. We're on example number five here. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus answered. Very, very familiar passage to us all, right? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. (laughs) I'm the water, I'm the blood, and I'm the very spirit that empowers you. I put, I put something else. Um, you know, being from Louisiana, I had to give you a little lanyap, a little extra, a little extra something, something. 
We see that the way, the truth, and life. Let's all turn to Hebrews chapter 9 just very quickly. Hebrews 9. We'll start in verse 1. Even though I should start in 4. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This room was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained... the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Now, when Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and if you've been around, you know this one, this one pretty well. Jesus is saying, I'm the way. <laughs> I'm the embodiment of the Torah. I'm the embodiment of the law that was designed to incline your heart <laughs> so that it would be washed before me. I am the truth. I'm the very bread of heaven. I am the thing that is coming, and because of my blood, the Spirit is truth, and it will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the life, Aaron's staff, the authority, the leadership mantle that was budding, a stick that had life coming from the stick, from the standard. Jesus is really saying, when He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, for the Jews around... I think this is exactly what they would have been thinking. The way, the truth, and the life. You know why? Because their entire history had pointed to this. Inside the very Ark of the Covenant were the tablets, the manna, and Aaron's staff that had budded. It's almost as if all these things start fitting together really, really well. It's incredible when we get the testimony, a greater testimony, however you want to look at this thing, however far that you want to go. Um, I can't wait to be another 20 or 30 years down the road should the Lord give me that grace and be working as hard as I can in that time and still go, I still didn't see that, Lord. How many times have I read that passage and it's coming alive to me in a different way today than even then? Perhaps all of you know all of these things. I'm sharing something that came alive in me to say, Lord, how intricate is your word. How beautiful that you desire to reveal it to us. You give this to us. How can I not hunger after you daily? How can I not go after you with all that I am? You say that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the water. You are the blood. You are the spirit. Lord, you're the tablets. You're the manna. You're the... Any way that I want to go about this, I see this great testimony that He has left for me. I see this path that He has laid out before me. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Matthew 28, 18 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority. Everybody say, All authority. authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say, Go. Go. And make disciples. Everybody say, Make disciples. disciples. Different than just making converts, it's different than just building a congregation. It's different. He says, Go and make disciples of all nations. <laughs> Don't you like it when you have a to-do list that's going to take you a little while? <laughs> right? Uh, he gave us something that we can be giving ourselves to for as long as we can give ourselves to it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yet another example, example number six of this water, this blood, and this Spirit. And as I mentioned to you early on, from the 14th century on, 
they actually replaced the words to your left with the words to your right. Some translations actually have it as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. Everybody say the name. name. In Hebrew, that would be the Hashem. The Hashem. The very nature, the name, the character, the reputation, who God is. In the Greek, it's Onoma, which means the reputation, (laughs) the name, the character of who God is. Baptizing them what? Baptizing them. Just when you dunk them in water? We're going to baptize people into the character, into the um, very reputation, into who God is in His fullness. We're going to baptize people. We're going to let it rain down upon them. We're going to let it wash over them. We're going to dunk them in it. We're going to... Everything that we can do to let people understand the name, the character, the reputation, the Hashem of God Himself. This is what we're doing through the washing of the water of the Word, the testimony that's there through the blood of Christ and through the empowerment of the Spirit of God. Yes? Yes. Here's here's another little nugget. For those of you guys, you can chase this out. It just happened to be that this was example number six. So work with me for just a second. Uh, what should we call it? We should call ourselves sowed farmers, I think. Is that, <laughs> is that what I'm hearing that we should call ourselves? Uh, number six, right? The number of man in the Bible. So what happens when man denies the father? Six. What happens when man denies the son? What happens at the fullness when man is fully done denying the power of the Holy Spirit? It's almost as if that will usher in an antichrist. Bit of a sowed, I understand. They have denied the Father. They have definitely denied the Son. We're in a time period when people are denying the working, the power, the gifting, the fruit, everything about the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we should go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. Like I said, you guys may have known all this. I was uh, blessed to learn it. I was blessed to kind of put it a little bit together here. Revelation chapter 1, and let's start in verse 4. Revelation 1, 4. It says this, To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before His throne. There's that number seven again, right? And from Jesus Christ. Listen to the three things that it says that Jesus Christ is. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. Faithful witness. Firstborn from the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. It's almost like we have a faithful witness, the one who was. The firstborn from the dead is who Jesus Christ is. And the one who is to come is that He will be the ruler of kings. We will be His subjects, but we will be kings under His king of all kings. Authority that He gives. The one who was, who is, and who is to come. The one who is cleansing us, who has saved us by His blood, and who is empowering us to do His work. Amen. Huh. Wow. Let's go to the, to, the, to the last slide there. Now, this is kind of all of them all at one time. Okay? Here, here's what I was kind of doing this morning. This works almost, you can pick any two, you can pick any five, you can run this all the way through this if you'd like. <laughs> first, the first uh, horizontal, what is that, column, row? 
whichever it is. First horizontal one? Row. Row. Okay, great. It's almost like the Torah was designed to cleanse and incline our heart to follow the way that was typified by Moses to show us that the Father is a faithful witness. It's almost as if the prophets were to help to, to warn our soul and direct our soul and to promise that the life that's in the blood, the truth, is found in the Son, who is the firstborn from the dead. By the way, I haven't practiced any of these. I'm just, I'm just reading. We, it's almost as if this is helping us to understand the entirety of the counsel of the Word. It's almost like this first category is a New Testament look at it. This is what 1 John 5 says. It's the water. It's the blood. It's the Spirit. Amen! That is enough for us to chew on and to understand and to go after. It's almost as if the second category gives us a picture of ourselves. Yes, here's the New Testament. Now what about me? How am I supposed to serve the Lord? What does my testimony look like? Do I have a greater testimony? Do I have this testimony where people see and they know? Is my heart, my soul, and my strength fully dedicated to the Lord or not? It's almost as if the Old Testament declares it as well. Through the Torah, the Nevim and the Ketuvim, through the law, the prophet, and the writing. Everything that we are to be in agreement. Written over 1,600 years, 40 plus authors, and it's in agreement. It's almost as if the very men that we hold in the highest esteem, the very picture of the Torah, the prophet, and the writings, it's almost as if they also concur. That Jesus Himself, with the way, the truth, and the life, it's found in the Ark of the Covenant. It also spoke to it. It's almost as if the very nature of God speaks to what we're talking about today. And it's almost as if the final revelation of who Jesus Christ is continues to proclaim this message. Wow. Wow. His word is rich. His plan is complete. (laughs) You know what our problem is sometimes? (laughs) Is we trust too much in what we can see. Some of us trust more in our own inadequacies than we do in this kind of a plan. Can I tell you, I could have done 50 of these. I decided to do seven because seven seemed like a good number. This is the plan that we see laid before us. This. A small attempt to understand God's threefold testimony through seven examples. Where are you in your own life not doing this? Better question. Why are you in areas of your life not doing what it says here? When you look at yourself and see your own frailties instead of this plan, do you think God actually needs you to be strong? Do you think the God who can start lacing these, this beautiful thing together, do you think He needs you to be the smartest or the best or the strongest? How dare you? How dare you think that about yourself? His commands are not burdensome. Perhaps if we look at this and say, Lord, to love you, I obey you. If you tell me to go, I go. If you tell me to stop, I stop. If you tell me to go around the world, I go around the world. If you tell me to go to my neighbor, I go to my neighbor. The thought of us doing anything other than that takes this and says, eh, eh. It devalues the very plan, the very purpose. It actually devalues what we think of our God. Perhaps today you're here. Maybe you've been water baptized. Maybe the testimony of water baptism is affecting your life. But maybe you haven't actually experienced the life-giving blood that Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't been baptized into the blood. Maybe you've been here and you've been water baptized and you've, you've allowed your soul to be transformed by the blood of Christ. But maybe you're here today 
and you have no empowerment. You don't have the full testimony of what God desires to do in your life. Who doesn't, uh, even if we just did it this way, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, why wouldn't you want to have this strength? Why wouldn't you want to have the contextual understanding of how to live in the day and time that you are now in? Why wouldn't you want to have somebody like David, the king on the throne? Why wouldn't you want to have the life and the Aaron staff be affecting your life? Why wouldn't you want to have the Holy Spirit that will help you to follow the ruler and the king of the kings? Why wouldn't you want that to be the case? Is it because you've had bad teaching? Is it because you've, you don't understand? Let me encourage you. This is the Scripture. There may be others who can do it better. This is all I got, folks. This is what I got. This Word is powerful. This Word is true. This Word is right. This has got to be in effect in your life. If it is not in effect in your life, I can assure you it's not on Him. I can assure you that the problem isn't with the plan. How are you going to respond today? Do you have the entirety of God's greater testimony at work in your life? I mean, come on, wait. I mean, that's like a big thing, right? I mean, I'm working on it. No, no, no. Do you have the entirety of God's testimony at work in your life right now? That's the question. There is no other question. Which part of this, (laughs) which part of this do you not want? Which part of this do you not need? Which part of this do you not want to be so apparent in your life? Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings. He's here for you. He's here to empower you. It's amazing what His Scriptures teach us. Would you stand to your feet, please?